Hello and welcome to Runway Girl Network in Conversation, a deep dive into aviation and the passenger experience. I'm RGN Deputy Editor John Walton and today I'm in conversation with aviation journalist and RGN Contributing Editor Benet Wilson. Benet, welcome to In Conversation. Thank you, John. I'm so delighted to be here. Delighted to have you. How did you get involved in aviation in the first place? How did you get bitten by the bug? Well, this goes back to when I was six years old. Um, my father is an, was an Air Force officer, and we moved from the United States to London. We went to a military base outside of um, London, and we had to fly, and the flight was on a Pan Am 747. And I'm aging myself here, John, but it was back when you actually dressed up to be on a flight and you actually <laughs> looked forward to air travel. And there I was in my little dress and my hat and my white gloves. And as I was getting on board, um, I passed by and I saw I was up in the hump and I saw the door was open and the pilot allowed me to come in. He let me sit in the seat and he talked about the airplane. And I said to him, um, one of these days, I'd like to be able to fly on this plane again. And this captain looked at me and it's like, no, no, you want to be a pilot and fly this airplane. Now, this was back in the early 70s. So to hear someone encouraging this small black girl to become a pilot um, was life changing for me. So I became an aviation geek at that very instant. And then when I found out that I could actually get paid to write about my hobby, there you go. <laughs> Fantastic. Today we're going to be talking about the passenger experience of the peak holiday travel season in the West at this time of year. But first off, thanks to our sponsor. In Conversation is brought to you by Bolteron, a Simona company, purveyor of high-performance thermoplastics for tomorrow's aircraft interiors. With new and groundbreaking innovations in design capabilities, Bolteron offers airlines the ability to customise the cabin with lightweight materials and metallic effects, translucent decorative panels with unique embedded patterns, dynamic textures, vibrant pearlescence, and much more. Learn more at boltaron.com. Now, Benet, you've, you've worked on the airline side of this industry and covered aviation for years as a journalist. Just how much of a peak is this holiday travel period? Um, it's pretty busy um, because it's natural. People want to go home and visit friends and family. And there is also a group of people who want to go on holiday because it's a natural time. So um, airlines start kind of gearing up for this as early as September and October. And, and so what does that gearing up look like for airlines? Well, I mean, number one is staffing. Um, even though there's a lot of automation now, you know, it's a busy time and people are stressed out. So, you know, there's extra staffing that needs to be done. Um, the communications teams work with other units to get the word out about um, getting through security, properly packing things, um, and just tips to make the um, passenger experience easier. And there's like this quirk that I remember when I worked at Delta, we used to have to put out a separate press release for um, flights to Latin America because um, those passengers tended to try to pack a lot of stuff, not only in their suitcases, but bringing extra packages and it affected weight and balance. So we had to put limits on um, what people could um, bring. I remember when I worked at Mesa Air Group, um, a regional based in Phoenix, um, we flew um, 
CRJs down to Mexico, and there was a person that actually tried to check a washing machine. And it's not going to fit in the cabin, is it? Not one of those CRJs. Uh, it's not going to fit in the cabin, and it's definitely not going to fit in the cargo hold with, you know, 50 seats and a, a completely full flight and, you know, all the baggage there thereof that go with those passengers. So, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting about setting those expectations. I mean, I've always thought that's a, a key part of the passenger experience is, is letting customers know what they can expect. Um, and in terms, around, in terms of the staffing side of things, um, what does that look like? What do, how do airlines staff for the holiday period in particular? Well, I mean, it's kind of an all hands on deck mentality. Again, there's much more automation now than there was the last time I worked at an airline. But still, um, because of the natural stresses that are inherent in travel in general, but during the holidays in particular, um, people are brought more people are brought in um, requests for vacation are generally um, frowned upon during this very busy period because they just want to make sure you you inform passengers and you do what you can but there are always people who miss the memo so you need to be have people there that can kind of smooth that over and you know with this type of flying there's weather involved so there's always you know, something that can just, it takes one little incident to just kind of cause a domino effect. So airlines want to make sure that they have enough people to um, handle any given situation. Now, it's not going to be 100% guaranteed, but the fact is they do work to make sure that they have enough people to cover every contingency. You mentioned weather. Um, obviously, the airline groups are getting larger and larger, which means that they have more hubs. Um, and some of those hubs are in colder climates, your Minneapolis's, and some of them are in warmer climates like Atlanta or uh, Houston. Do airlines, the larger airlines in particular, do they consciously try and route people through the southern hubs with warmer weather? Um, do they move aircraft down for, for, for the winter? Or is it, do they just sort of work on the um, principle that I guess Minneapolis knows how to deal with snow? Um, it's the latter. Um, because... You, they, they've built, they've spent millions of do, hundreds of millions of dollars building these hubs. Um, and they're making the assumption that, um, Minneapolis or Denver or Chicago knows how to deal with snow and bad weather. Um, some things just can't be controlled, but, um, no, I don't, I, I think they're just using the hubs that they're using. Okay. Interesting. And speaking of those airports, what what role do they play in the passenger experience around the holidays? Well, they pay, play a huge role because there are a lot of people who still think that airports are owned or belong to the airlines. So if they're having a bad experience, um, they will reach out to the airport and, you know, the airport kind of has to take a hit, even though it's, yeah, they're two separate entities. But um, I think airports and airlines have done a good job in being partners to make sure that there's a good passenger experience, both on the ground and in the air. And um, you and I travel a lot. So you've seen what airports around the world have been doing to improve the passenger experience. You know, you're seeing more higher end restaurants, you're seeing higher end retail, you're seeing things like more comfortable seating with outlets right there, cup holders, things to keep people occupied and amused um, and satiated at the airport. 
Um, I, I think about um, Terminal C, um, United's um, Newark hub, Terminal C. You know, they're spending uh, $120 million to completely reimagine that terminal. And I'm old enough to remember when that terminal was a barn when it was owned by People Express. So now you're seeing high-end restaurants. I went to that classified restaurant, the little secret restaurant for United's top customers. But Mm -hmm. even in that terminal, there's this gigantic tequila bar. Um, There are gourmet restaurants and, you know, even the little takeaway places are, are pretty upscale. Um, lots of shopping. So, you know, airports realize that they've gotten a captive audience. Um, and so they're really trying to improve that experience on the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess in, in terms of their, of their holiday cheer, as it were, is it still sort of reeds and trees and, and lighting or, or are they going all in in terms of that sort of holiday passenger experience? Well, it really, it, it, there's a saying in the airport industry. If you've seen one airport, you've seen one airport. People do, um, airports do different things. I was just at BWI on Tuesday and, you know, it's kind of, I don't want to say sedate, but, you know, it has decorations up, but it's not all over the place. And like I was in the um, Concourse A, which is where Southwest is. And they had, when you come in, they had wreaths over all of the check-in desks. So, but then there are other airports that just go all out with the Christmas decorations. I'm thinking about Singapore Changi is one, um, to the point where they have just decorations everywhere. There are selfie booths where you can take Christmas pictures. So it really, you know, it really depends on the airport. Every airport is pretty, is different. Yeah, that's that's really fascinating. I mean, Changi has always got that reputation for being one of those leading airports of the world. Um, and what do you think that other airports can learn from 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 an airport like that? What what are some of the things that they can pull out of that that sort of Changi passenger experience and apply to your I don't know your Baltimore or your your small regional airport? Well, what I can say is, number one, it's really unrealistic for people to think that U.S. airports can go to the lengths that airports like Changi or um, Hamad in Doha, um, Terminal 5 at London Heathrow. It's it's a lot different because um, U.S. airports have different price constraints. Um, they have to be self-sufficient. Um, federal money is kind of tight. With all the airline consolidation, they're not getting as much money from the airlines. So they really have to focus on non-aeronautical revenue. All that being said, there are things that airports can do and are doing to improve the passenger experience within the constraints of their budget. So, for example, at BWI, I spend a lot of time at that airport, obviously. You know, they opened um, a club lounge um, for people who want that lounge experience but don't have the um, the miles or the, the status to get in to um, an airline-related club. They've upgraded the food offerings. They opened the, one of the first airport gyms in the world. Um, they've revamped parking. So BWI is really making an effort to improve the passenger experience within the parameters that they can do. And, you know, you can see that being done at smaller airports, too. I mean, looking at those passenger experience opportunities for airports, and especially around the holiday period, um, I think that a lot of us have this sort of image of 
you know, okay, it hits mid-November in the US or um, I guess mid-December in places that don't have that same sort of Thanksgiving extra rush. Um, and out come the extra lines, out come the waiting queue, um, tensor barrier things. Um, what are some of the ways that airports can avoid that sort of feeling of just being in a giant herd of people? What, who's, who's doing good work around that? Well, there, it's all about planning. And again, I'm sorry, people are sick of hearing me talk about Baltimore, but that's the airport that I fly out of. And I had to go there on Wednesday to pick my parents up for Thanksgiving. Um, Baltimore, one of the things they did was they have an hourly parking lot and they gave everyone who was coming to pick up people an hour free in that hourly lot. That lot cost $22 a day. They expanded the cell phone lot by 50 spaces. Um, they had um, airport police out on the upper and lower levels, keeping the traffic flowing, keeping people from lingering. You know, you drive up to the airport and you don't see your person. So you just kind of sit there um, coming into the airport. There were patrols to keep people from just parking on the side. And then once you were in there, um, you know, the airlines had extra people. TSA was on um, full alert. So the lines were flowing pretty well. So it's just a coordinated effort. And I think that um, they did uh, a pretty good job. Um, oh, another thing that they did was they moved the ride sharing up to the upper level. Um, so that kind of helped with passenger flows, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that. That I find it really fascinating the way that airports both are and are not dealing with the um, the ride hailing ride sharing revolution. I mean, it, it's come on a lot of them very quickly, um, and yeah, it's it's interesting to see, and it'll be very interesting to see, I guess, this year as as we get another holiday period of people going home for the holidays, and you know, sort of assuming, I, I guess, particularly, I'm, I'm thinking of the. Um, people who are going home from a major city where your Lyft, your Juno, your Uber is everywhere to a smaller city or a small town where it's not and going to the regional airport and going, okay, where do I, where do I wait for this? Where do I get my, uh, my, my ride hailed vehicle? Um, how, how, how do I find this driver? Um, what, what are some of the good things that you're seeing in, in, in that sense? Well, no, it's interesting because um, BWI Airport didn't allow Lyft and Uber to start operating there until June of this year. So this was this is a, a pretty um, new thing. And as far as smaller cities are concerned, you know, I went to the um, both of the major airport conferences this year and the people from Uber were not there, but Lyft was there in full force and they are on a mission to get to as many airports um, as possible. And this was back, I would say in October, they were at already at more than 200 airports. So both of those companies are pushing hard to get into as many airports as they can. Um, but there's also this natural battle with existing um, companies like cab companies and to a lesser extent, shuttle buses and um, shared um, shuttle services and limos and executive car services. So, you know, it's incumbent upon the airport to have as many options as possible for people to get to and from the airport. And I mean, let's be honest, John, um, Lyft and Uber 
are large companies and they have money and airports are seeing this as another source of non-aeronautical revenue. Um, I was in Atlanta Hartsfield the day that um, Uber and Lyft were officially allowed to come to the airport. And I'm trying, I think that they charge $4 each time um, a Lyft or Uber comes to the uh, airport. So you think this is the world's busiest airport. Atlanta has a very large population that travels. And so every time somebody goes in there, um, Lyft and Uber have to pay the airport $4. That, that's money that adds up. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you start doing that math and that, that, that gets very high very quickly. Um, one of the things that you mentioned earlier on was that, um, that coordination between the various points of the passenger journey until they get to the plane, right? And so that's um, the airport on the way in, then the airport and the airline during the check-in and bag drop process. Um, then that quite often a disconnect between that and the TSA. And then the airport and airline on, on the other side, kind of in succession, right? You get your um, your restaurant area and then you get to the gate area, which is more of, more of an airline feel. Um, Obviously, that disconnect can can be a real problem. Um, you know, once you've checked your bag or finished your check-in procedure, um, you're then kind of at the mercy of the TSA um, in terms of whether or not you make your flight. Even what are some of the airports that you've been in recently doing to to reduce that disconnect and to 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 try and make that flow more easily? I have to tell you, I have a perfect example of this. I had to go down to. Jacksonville, Florida for um, an, an event. And um, I'm one of those people, I even before I was an aviation journalist, I always went to the airport early because I liked walking around and seeing what was going on. So I got to Jacksonville early to check in for my flight. And John, um, I've written about this from the time I stepped foot on the curb until the time I was sitting in my seat. It was a wonderful, seamless process. Um, I walked in and people were greeting me, not only the airline people, but people who worked in the airport. I was taking pictures and a gentleman came over and I'm kind of bristling because I'm thinking, oh, you know, he's going to ask me. He was just like, oh, it's a beautiful airport, isn't it? You should be taking pictures. And thanks for visiting us. And, you know, so I'm like, okay. And then I go through the TSA line and it was I, I thought that I was like in a Twilight Zone episode because everyone that was in that TSA section was polite and kind and, you know, thank you and used your your first and last name or Mr. and Mrs. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, it was such a good experience that when I went through the line, I actually went to a supervisor and I filled out one of those cards because I was so shocked and amazed at what a great experience it was. And it just continued with the concessions, um, the people at the gate. I don't know what Steve Grossman is feeling, feeding those people at Jacksonville Airport, but I wish it was something that could be replicated. And I know the inherent stresses of travel and, you know, it's never going to be perfect. But um, this was an experience I had five years ago and you hear how I'm still talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've I've had a couple of those experiences myself. Um, and again, it is often at those smaller airports, isn't it? Um, where, you know, you really get a, a sense of a place. 
Um, strangely enough, Helsinki in Finland is one of the ones that always always hits me with that. Is you know, I mean, the Finns are not um, as a as a general rule renowned for being gregarious and chatty people, but I guess that just that that sort of sense of polite efficiency. Um, and yes, of course, we're going to make this run very smoothly in in Helsinki Airport has always impressed me. Um, and and the sort of feeling of well, of course, we're going to. I mean, they were one of the first airports to provide. Uh, free and ultra fast Wi-Fi. Just literally, you just tap a tap a button and and, and off you go. Um, and it's it's that kind of well. Of course, we would provide that. Why wouldn't we provide that? It would be it's a it's a sensible thing to provide for our passengers. Yes, that that airport is one of my dream destinations. I really, really, really want to go to that airport. Yeah, it is. It, it is a it is a real trip. Um, now. I guess we, we're, we're talking about sort of people working in airports and in the in the travel industry. How does that actual job differ during holiday rushes? Do you get do you end up doing more hours? Is it just significantly more stressful because of the amount of people traveling and the I guess the importance that all those people place on being at their destination before the before the big day? All of the above. Um, it is a concentrated travel period. Um, people are anxious. They want to just get to their destination. They want to see their friends and family and loved ones. And, you know, so there is just this natural tension that is built in around holiday travel. So, you know, the airlines know this, this is nothing new to them. So they just staff accordingly. Um, the airports do too. I know, um, when I worked at Delta, um, the red coats were, um, there were more of them out there. They're kind of like Delta's ambassadors. So they are out there interacting with the passengers and helping. Um, I think that airport, um, volunteer ambassadors are the unsung heroes of airports. These are people who volunteer their own time to sit in an information desk or kind of wander the airport also to help passengers. I mean, they're very distinctive. We have them at Baltimore. My parents live in San Antonio. The ones who live, who work there, they've got cowboy hats and vests. I mean, they're very distinctive. And I think all of those people together really work hard and really work well together to ensure that people are not like freaking out at the gate or freaking out as they're checking in or doing the sky cap. So I think, you know, it, it, you have the right people in there with the right attitude. And I'm telling you, I did some volunteer work out at the airport when I worked at Mesa um, at Sky Harbor Airport. And it is amazing. These people have the patience of Job and it is a thankless job, but um, most of them are able to resolve things and, you know, keep an even temper and calm people down and, I just think that this time of year, you see people really stepping up to make sure that people have the best experience. Yeah, I mean, looking at that at that experience, um, obviously we hear a lot these days about how there's a lot of higher yields. Um, we've gone through a round of consolidation over the last decade, um, and I'm and I'm always struck by how the 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 travel experience, but particularly how the peak period travel experience. Um, has has evolved in many ways um, over the last decade, decade and a half or so. Um, what's your perspective on that? What 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 are the, some of the things that you're noticing that that are different, either for for good or for bad, about about travelling at this time of year? 
Well, for the for the airlines, the good news is, you know, that we are having experiencing record amounts of travel. Um, the airlines are all profitable. Um, so that helps a great deal. Um, they're investing in technology and um, passenger experience things to make things better for travelers. Um, you know, so it's never going to be 100% perfect. You know, if you've bought a basic economy seat, you know, that's what you've bought and that's what you get. But there is an acknowledgement that there needs to be a little more customer service. I mean, even Spirit Airlines, I did an interview with um, the CEO there, and he even he recognized that they needed to be just a little more customer friendly. So I think that's been an, an interesting evolution. I also think the technology, um, having the, the check-in kiosk, having the app where you check in online, um, where you can um, self-bag tag. I mean, you can go through the whole process without ever being in contact with a human being. And there are some people who are like that. And then there were some people like my dad, despite the fact that he has a smartphone, he will always print out his boarding pass and he will always go up to a human being because that's just him. You can kind of tailor the type of experience that you want. Yeah, and I think that's that's a crucial part of it is making sure that people still have the opportunity to, especially at this time of year, to go through a traditional line whether that's because they are, I, I see a lot of regular travellers even um, who are travelling at this time of year, but not in their regular way, right? So if they're a normal uh, business traveller, they'll be travelling with family. Or if they're normally a traveller who never checks a bag, suddenly for the first time in the year, they've got two bags to check in. And they're like, I've almost forgotten how to do this. And they might not be up to date with what their airline's current policy is. Maybe the last time they checked a bag was this time last year. And that policy has changed, right? Um, what are you seeing around the, um, around the ways that the airlines are, are trying to communicate that to people, trying to, trying to update them on what might, have, um, what might be different about traveling this time of year? Well, I think it's just a general message of, how to prepare to travel during the busy holiday period. Um, I don't think that they're doing specific, you know, well, you haven't been here in a while, so this is how we do it. I think they're just going, when they do these messages, they're going on the assumption that people haven't flown in a while. So around the holidays, these messages come out because, you know, there are people who haven't flown since the last year or, um, or in a long time. I mean, I still see people at TSA check-in checkpoint who are confused about taking off their shoes and taking off their belts. And, you know, so there, there is that. So I think that airlines just are doing a general, okay, here are our holiday tips. Here's what's going to help get you through the process faster. Um, I know that TSA does a similar thing, you know, what you can and can't bring through the security checkpoints. But, you know, there's always going to be people that miss the memo. So all airlines can do and all airports can do is have the personnel on hand to kind of help move things along and speed people through. I, I mean, I when I was at the airport on Tuesday, I saw that Southwest had people kind of walking through the self-service kiosks to make sure people were okay and didn't um, have any questions or anything. So I think you'll see a lot of, a uh, lot more people, boots on the ground, kind of walking 
around and making sure that people are getting everything that they need when it comes to um, their travel. Yeah, I mean, we hear a lot about how stuff like predictive analytics and big data are going to start revolutionizing the communications that airlines send to us. Um, I wonder if this might be a great place to start, right? I mean, if you're um, normally a uh, business traveler who flies um, during the week to um, a set of three or four or 10 or 15 airports um, that all match a certain profile, um, large city um, and, and so on, and maybe you're going in um, in the, an extra legroom economy or a first class seat uh, as a solo traveler, and suddenly you're traveling with four people, all of whom have the same name as you, um, to a destination that is a leisure destination or a, a, one of those uh, grandparent retirement destinations, say, um, and doesn't fit the normal profile. It seems like it would be a smart idea for airlines to, you know, start communicating differently with you. Um, you know, uh, you know, sending an email, heading home for the holidays, um, or, or, or something like that. Uh, you know, that uh, really sort of leveraging some of those um, some of those new advances in in technology and how we communicate with folks. And I mean, it would be a natural thing to do. Um, and I hope that we will eventually head there. But I think that the more the focus is using technology to um, help the airlines with processes like bag tagging, um, boarding, check-in, um, the, the, the kind of the touch points that can cause choke points. But I mean, I, I can see a day and not too far in the distant future where airlines will start um, doing that sort of thing where they're a little more, proactive with the messaging and sending it directly to their customers because the technology to do that is there. And I think that they do that somewhat um, with some of their best customers. Um, it's just, you know, getting getting the message to the rest of the masses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I was seeing the, the, the other thing that, that, that struck me this year. Um, I can't remember which airport it was. I think it might have been one of the UK airports. Um, and it was on that first summer getaway weekend. Um, right, so the sort of British equivalent of Memorial Day, right, that first bank holiday where people go off and get some sun. Um, and they had some special decorations up, um, which, um, you know, were really aimed at that infrequent traveller. Right, so normally, you know, you walk up to the security line and there's no information sort of visible from a long way away about what you need to do about your belt or shoes or laptop or Kindle or iPad or sunscreen. You know, but I saw someone this year who hadn't got the memo about um, not taking liquids through security, right? Um, and it's that kind of in, in, infrequent traveller and sort of figuring out how you can drip feed them that information so that they're aware and prepared um, in a way that, that might just be different to this time of year. Um, and it would, be, it would be interesting to see airlines and airports sort of in their sort of holiday decorations, for example, having some kind of... Um, you know, in addition to wreaths and trees and, and, and bows, you know, maybe sort of having as, as part of that wreath thing, a, a banner that says, remember to take out your laptops or, um, you know, shoes can stay on in the pre-check line or that kind of thing. Well, it's interesting because, again, um, I travel a lot and I was actually on the road on Tuesday 
Um, and I was actually on the road the week before. And I did notice at BWI and the airports that I was departing from that they had a person from the TSA at the top of the line and they didn't have on a uniform. They had on civilian clothes, but they were, you know, dressed professionally. And they were there at the top of the line talking and telling people what they could bring and what they couldn't bring and, you know, take your shoes off if you're in this line, if you have more than one electronic, like a laptop, and like I carry a laptop and an iPad with a keyboard. They were like, take out your, um, one of the, the, one of the computers. So I took out my iPad with the keyboard because that was just easier to pull out. So they are, they do have people there and they're kind of saying this message over and over again. And then there are airports that have videos that just run on a constant loop. Although I think those are less effective except the ones in Las Vegas where they actually have celebrities and, you know, well-known figures who are doing those messages. Right. So people tend to watch it a little more because, you know, you're getting good information, but it's also funny, <laughs> you know, so. Right. And it's, it's, you know, I, I, I wonder whether or not there's an opportunity there in the, um, I guess the Instagram Snapchat generation um, to, to make that an almost a, a, an Instagrammable or Snapchatable moment, right? Uh, yes, exactly. Um, Although um, I have to say I am one of those struggling with Snapchat. My 12-year-old my is trying to teach me, but <laughs> haven't quite gotten there yet. It, it sure is interesting. Um, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I keep loving when uh, airlines manage to scoop their own press release by talking about it on Snapchat. Um, that, that's been one of my personal favorite factors of, of, of that particular social medium. Um, but okay, Benet, so, so to, to, to round off our chat, um, and, and very happy holidays to you and yours, of course. But as an industry person, what advice do you give to friends and family when they travel, uh, this time of year in particular? I grew up and I was a Girl Scout, and the Girl Scout motto is be prepared. And that's what I tell people. I say, you know, pack accordingly you know me i'm not one to check bags but you know i'm going home for christmas so yes i will be checking a bag clutch the pearls but i tell people you know um going through security don't have anything that will slow you down so you know leave the liquids at home don't wrap your presents in the airport and the airlines will tell you this too don't wrap your presents get there in plenty of time to get through the line um, I have global entry, which automatically gives me pre-check. Um, so that saves me time. And um, I was one of those people who was highly skeptical of the clear program. And I did a trial and now um, I love it. Um, it. For people who don't know, clear is a biometric ID program. So they have special lines. They're in about 23 airports right now, including Baltimore. So instead of going through the regular line and go to the clear line, which is always empty, there's an ambassador. I drop my fingerprints. I scan my boarding pass. And then I'm escorted to the top of either the pre-check line if I have pre-check or the regular line if I have if I if I don't have pre-check. Um, and it is a great time saver. And I've been in situations where I thought it was going to get a little tight, but that extra time and that just, just saved me. Um, have your devices charged up. Um, be prepared if there is a delay or a cancellation. I was coming back from 
San Francisco for after the final United 747 flight. And we were all sitting there. Our flight kept getting delayed and delayed. And then it was canceled. And the people at the gate said, oh, go to customer service. You have to, you know, reaccommodate. I got on the phone because I'm United Mileage Plus Gold, got on the phone and got one of the last seats to Baltimore the next morning. So, you know, have the airline that you're working with on speed dial. If there's a delay or cancellation, call instead of standing in the line. And, you know, just kind of take a deep breath and just realize that there's going to be some inherent stresses and plan accordingly. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on all of those. The other one I like is that this is the time of year um, to take advantage of the airlines increasingly selling access to their lounges. Um, if you can get into the Sky Club or whatever your airline's uh, little lounge program is, um, even on a, a, a buy your way in on for, for one trip basis, um, it, A, it means that you are um, somewhere that's got you know a, a free drink and a, a bit of Wi-Fi and somewhere nice to sit down and somewhere to plug in. But it also means that you have access in the event of anything going wrong to the um, to the some of the most helpful and um, best connected uh, staffers in person. Um, so you know, if your flight gets delayed, you can just walk up to the front desk at the uh, in the club and say, "Can you help me?" Rather than having to join the line three hundred people deep downstairs. Um, no, you're exactly right. When I was in San Francisco, when I got when I landed from Honolulu, I had a five hour layover. It just worked out like that. I went straight to the United club and I sat in there, um, had myself a glass of Prosecco cause I'm a champagne type of girl. And I had my laptop and I did work. So that was, and it was away from the masses. I had a nice view of the airport and it was just, it was worth the money that you pay. And especially this time of year when things get really, really hectic, it's, it, you know, it's 60 bucks that is just worth every penny. Yeah. And of course, you know, you can buy your way in there even after something has gone wrong with your trip. You know, if, if, if you get delayed or cancelled, you know, my first stop is often, if I don't already have access, is, is straight to that club and say, hello, I'd like, a, I'd like my uh, day pass, please. And if they're not completely busy, they'll almost certainly sell you one. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lifesaver for me and for a few friends quite a few times. So it's a it's 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 a it's a good tip to 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 get in with some of those uh, those more experienced and uh, uh, I guess almost higher ranking as it were um, uh, customer service agents there. And then um, a, another interesting thing is we're starting to see airports with independent lounges. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's the club. You know, that's um, one that's expanding in the United States. There's also the Escapes Lounge, it's in three airports right now, but they're looking to expand. And then, you know, um, I'm sad because the American Express Centurion Lounge, I used to be able to buy a pass as an Amex card holder, but that club has become so popular that the only time I can get in now is if I'm with my ex-husband, who is a Platinum American Express member. Mm -hmm. um, but that is a lovely lounge, too. Yeah, yeah, and and it's well worth doing a little bit of research in advance to try and figure out what the um, what the lounge situation is at both your origin and destination airports, um, as well as anything you have to be connecting through. Um, and if all else fails, it's uh, as you say, it's it's time to hit the uh, the Vino Volo or uh, any of those other little uh, wine bars that are popping up increasingly, and uh, 
and just sit down and relax with a with a glass of wine or two. Um, you know, it is the season. I was at Vino Volo on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, uh, happy holidays to all. And that is it for today's conversation. We certainly hope you enjoyed it. And we're always keen to find out what you think. Please feel free to email me at john at runwaygirlnetwork.com with any suggestions. Thank you also to our guest, Benet Wilson. Benet, where can our listeners catch up with you? Um, my running joke, I'm like Visa everywhere you want to be. Um, I'm at avqueenbenet, B-E-N-E-T, on Twitter. Um, Aviation Queen on Instagram and Snapchat. Um, I'm on um, Facebook. And, you know, just everywhere except for Snapchat. I, I have one, but I never use it, so don't Snapchat me. <laughs> Well, I, I'll challenge you to use your Snapchat this holiday during your travels. Let's let's have a holiday travel Snapchat story from you, Benet. All right, I'll do one just because <laughs> you asked so nicely. I think so. As ever, you can find me on Twitter and indeed Snapchat and Instagram at thatjohn. And everything from RGN is on Twitter at RunwayGirl and of course at runwaygirlnetwork.com. Thanks for listening.